I don't think that an artist should bother about his audience. His best audience is the person he sees in his shaving mirror every morning. I think that the audience an artist imagines when he imagines that kind of thing is, is a room filled with people wearing his own mask. Uh, so that's a response from the writer Vladimir Nabokov uh, from a, a July 1962 interview from uh, Strong Opinions, which was published back in uh, 73. And I'm John Fanning, and this is the Create with John Fanning podcast. Welcome, and hope you're doing well out there. Hope all is well. Um... This is episode 33 of my series of episodes on the imagination based around my book, Create. Also, if this is your first time coming to the podcast, please uh, go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes to get an idea about where I'm coming from. On, as I usually say, the, the idea of process or um, especially when it, it when I talk about the differentiation between walls and doors towards and away from uh, creativity or more so imagination. So last time I spoke about uh, community and feedback, but today I want to talk about audience and representation. So um, right from the start, I want to make something very clear. Uh, and that basically that is, yes, look to the work first. So, because to become a master of our work, we have to focus on the work, not not on how many followers we have, you know, and get into this uh, Twitter sphere of of uh, rage as such, um, heightened emotions. So, we are not important, the work is. And, you know, Jesus was important, but his message was important too, you know. So, if you think of people like maybe Hemingway or someone like that, yeah, he was a character, but what's more important are his characters that come to life from his writing. Uh, at least that's what inspires me. That's probably what inspires most Christians is the message of Jesus, not so much, um, you know, his life story, of course, but the, the message itself that comes from it. So so it's not so much a life story, but their... But, um, their life stories, you know. They, I suppose this is it's encapsulated better by um, there's this Italian writer called uh, Elena Ferrante, who I suppose a lot of people will know. She's pretty well known, not only just in uh, Italy but uh, abroad. Um, and she never uses her name, not a real name. And she's written about half a dozen novels. Uh, but most, well, she's most well known for a series of novels set in Naples. And if you haven't seen the HBO series uh, based on those books, you have to. It's pretty, it's pretty beautiful. And anyway, uh, Frantes says that books, uh, once they're written, don't need their authors, uh, because if if um, it's basically she's trying to divorce herself or 
she feels that we we should be divorced from our creations as such and let the work speak for itself basically be and because of this she she's consistently requested anonymity like as a precondition to, to having any of her books published um she does this to be free like there was an interview she gave in the paris review back in 2015 where she explained that uh, it is a form of liberation by saying that when a book's complete and makes its way out into the world without her, that it allows her to see something new about her writing. Um, as Almost as if she's released the words from herself, so then she can start to see it from a different context. So it's a different take on it. And, of course, more writers or creators, um, or most of them, will literally can't afford that position. But again, to use the monetary language, which which has the cost, or what has the cost of of this been as such? Because today, like technology's accelerated everything, but at the same time, it's also allowed everyone access to getting their work out there. And it would be terrible if the majority of what is put online were become too rushed as such which gets back to what I talked about back in episode 19 when I talked about mentors where we are literally taught to take our time and to learn our craft from people who have done it before us whether they're dead or alive and as I said in other episodes I know creators who create for for just for their own joy joy. Um, they don't give a crap about what other people think. Because for them it's a meditative practice first. And this is beautiful. This is, To me that's wonder. That's wonderful. So nobody like villains or crazy makers. Um, they're not stopping her or him from creating. But um, a lot of the time the reason they are in the basement or out in their garage creating and not sharing it with the rest of the world is because they have been conditioned to feel that that their creations aren't important when of course they are like if it gets them to a meditative state um, or one of joy or expression of love as such and it's funny there's a kind of if you if you just look at the maths of of this position or this idea of audience and representation um, and you think about it there's like there'll be well, not just right now, but in the future, uh, there's going to be about 9 billion people on the planet. So <laughs> it's kind of crazy if you're trying to tell me or anybody's trying to say that there are not at least 90,000 people out there. I think that's like 0.0001% or something like that of all the people out there on the planet who wouldn't be into what you create. So which is why the advent of the internet has become so revolutionary because you can find that audience um, and where ordinarily you would never have been able to find it before but at the same time um, there it's important to understand that your audience is out there but you have to find them so and then there's obviously lots of gates or doors as I call it to get through where the gatekeepers or doorkeepers you know uh, know how to keep their their agency as opposed to giving you free agency so it's like a friend of mine um he's a good example because he's a really good great musician 
um, and he's a very successful businessman and a really cool guy. But if, but he, if he ever goes off in his uh, businessman script when he's dealing with somebody, uh, he's treated with suspicion and confusion and and sadly laughter at times uh, when he's actually being uh, very honest and open. And uh, just because he hasn't made as much money from his music uh, to to a lot of people, it means it isn't valuable. Because of what I talked about before, about capitalism as such. But the little bit of time he puts into music is what gives him the energy, that love of um, strumming his guitars, then his basement is what gives him the energy to focus a lot on making uh, the rest of his life more clear. Um, whether it's making money or through business or, you know, making time for his family. So this is why he sees music and playing his guitars is really valuable. Even if nobody ever hears his songs or hears him play, he doesn't care because he's doing it because he loves it. And so his audience is himself. But, and I suppose, yeah, this gets back to, like, basically my the basic tenet from one of my very first episodes, which was everyone is creative. And we shouldn't feel uncomfortable when someone shows us a part of themselves that doesn't fit into a singular role as such. Uh, we're, you know, we're all many things, not one, which I talked about before, that each individual is vast as such. And we need to encourage each other to be creative, not discourage each other because of some capitalistic or systemic conditioning. Because the more we create, the more kind we become because the more fulfilled we feel because we're doing something we love. And isn't it logical to encourage that in everyone and not to go silent when someone shares the fact that they've created something like a piece of music? Because I can remember nine billion people are out there and just because you don't love what someone you meet has created doesn't mean there aren't at least 90,000 other people out there to think it's absolutely amazing. So, you know, I suppose this brings me to the the idea of um, hating, or hating's too strong a word. I suppose when I was an angry young man, I did hate things, or thought I did. It's just this waste of energy. Um, but... If there is one thing I could hate, it would be social media or optimization or advertising as such. Because this like gamification of emotions as such, you know. And however, when you run a small business, you have to think of your audience and the website and social media and advertising. So those very things that I am averse to. So I learned this uh, the hard way when we started La Muse, our retreat. For those of you who are coming to this podcast for it, for the first time, it was a retreat we started in the south of France, myself and my wife, about 20 years ago. Uh, so we thought uh, people would come because we were offering such a wonderful place to create. And we, as, as two creators, we thought like, oh my God, they're just going to come in the droves. And of course they didn't. Uh, so we had to show people we existed. And of course, yes, what's the window dressing to, for something like that uh, a website so I learned how to build one or to create one and then I learned how to optimize them uh, so people actually saw them or saw the website when they put in keywords specific to what we were doing so then we had to be on 
social media too because then people don't just trust the website they want to see that there's actual real people behind it like these people photos to, to say that it's verified as something real so when I think of selling one of let's say my novels the same business mentality starts to work but not when I'm creating the actual book itself and you know that's this is a, this is a tr really important distinction which I've gotten into before in other episodes but and as the quote at the beginning there kind of said um, you know Nabokov was asked what kind of audience he created for and his response was creators um, shouldn't care about their audience uh, saying that the best audience you have is the one that looks back at you in the shaving mirror every morning so that's the idea of the creation itself and when you're creating I would feel as opposed to uh, trying to do or create from ingredients or recipes as I talked about before of genre or something generic as such and again worry, this I suppose the idea would be worry about audience after the work is done so yes do your research before starting but not to fit into any idea of what you have to create if we think of the reader or viewer or consumer, there's a, uh, sorry, uh, airplane going by. <laughs> yeah, so what was it? Oh yeah, um, uh, yeah. If you if if you, if you think of a reader or a viewer or a, um, or a consumer during the process of creating, uh, then would be, then it, you're basically creating for someone else. You're not creating for yourself, which is the first person you should be creating for that person in the mirror. You know. So thinking about what an audience thinks, uh, it just creates pressure and stress, which which will just stop your creative flow. Uh, Nabokov himself, actually, he stopped writing for years after his first book of poetry came out when he was young. Um, the negative reviews hurt him that much. So that's this idea of audience. So And, you know, Nabokov was one of the most confident sty stylistic writers there's been. You know, his inspiration dried up because of what someone else taught, which is quite extraordinary. He didn't write for two years, I think it was. So, you know, audience can be a negative influence as well, you know. So there's many aspects to this. And then, you know, the idea of thinking of a reader or a viewer or a consumer during the process um, also makes you copy instead of creating something different. So if you keep thinking of your audience, you'll start to create stuff an audience already likes, which gets into uh, something derivative as such, instead of something creative or inspired. And hey, you know, maybe maybe making money is what you want to do, but uh, will it give you satisfaction? I suppose some people it does give satisfaction to. Um, and... That's not for me to denigrate. Everybody's different. So it's it's important to know your perspective, but also the limits of your field or genre, but not to allow them to water your creation as such. Because because your your audience will it will find you eventually. Even if even if it's when you're dead, you know, uh, like Van Gogh or so many others. But at least if you're into what you're doing uh, love what you're doing it won't matter however when the when the work is done 
you can't expect someone to swoop into your office or garret and offer to publish your book or give you seed money for your your extraordinary new business venture because yeah you have to push it out into the world yourself and how your product and you know that's the nasty word because that's what it is now it's 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 a product it's to be consumed or read or viewed or uh, when it does actually go out into the world uh, for the most part uh, everything to do with that is outside your control but because um, people will make their decisions or opinions based on their own natures and backgrounds most of which will have you know very little re- relation to to your reality and they will see things in in what you've created that you don't see and at times they'll be they'll just totally misconstrue what it is you are trying to create and also there's the idea that there's there there's many different consumers on the planet you know there this is as many as there are different types of people and different types of people within those peoples like the Irish or the French or the Americans or the Asians or the white or the brown or the black or the old or the young or the healthy or the weak or the educated or the not educated and they're all at certain emotional stages in their lives like like if you read a book like The Catcher in Rye when you're 20 and then read it again when you're 44 which is something I've done, uh, it's just a different book each time. Uh, and why is that, you know? Well, it's because I'm I'm a different person each time. So, you know, read a novel with a divorce as the central part of a story then you're, when you're happily married and then again, again when you're divorced. The effect's going to be completely different because you, the consumer, will be different. So there's going to be a oh, completely different emotional range for so many different people. So people start getting upset. Oh, why did they hate my book or my project or my art? Or, well, maybe it's just they're just not ready for it or want to have anything to got to do with that kind of, of a work as such. And, of course, this is common sense, what it would seem to be. Um, but very quickly we go to that place of criticism as being... Uh, a real negative and judgment of 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 the work you've created, and this is very logical. But um, but creators are often auto, you you just automatically forget this when your creation becomes a product. That you know that readers change and viewers change, and how we consume reality differently depending on who we are right now, as such. And, you know, this is important to know and to think about. Uh, and just it's just important to accept and be ready for. And because so when someone dislikes your book or your painting or your cure, it could be because it reminds them of something they find hard to deal with. Maybe something they're not ready to experience or that they simply hate detective novels or love them or hate Max or and love Windows, <laughs> you know, so... Um, and another thing about that would be that a lot of creators think self-promotion is kind of like dirty word you know it's kind of like egocentric or something well it's not uh, you don't have to sell out you simply need to be accessible as such and as a creator you have to tell yourself monetary reward is actually good and have a positive association with that 
it's just a relationship like any other and you can create it make it allow it to be a negative relationship or a positive one and because others are not going to take care of it all for you you know um and if we allow the emotional baggage of work or parents or peers to tell us we should be living in garrets or or living on the street because uh, of being an artist or going after a dream or after a creative um, path, well, then we're sabotaging ourselves. Uh, you know, it's good to get paid to create, uh, but not to not so much to create to get paid or to create to get paid. Yeah. Um. Um. So, which which kind of gets into the whole idea of um, business and such, but, you know. So, like this idea of the rich, i.e., uh, like business people, and then you know the poor, the the artists or the writers, etc., all that. Um, and it's like this binary association is just incorrect, and so, and that was something I talked about back in episode eleven uh, about myths, but you know that people love binary relationships because they it allows them to be negative and positive and but in reality we connect with our creations even more by not accepting these associations by embracing community and interconnectedness and collaboration as opposed uh, to this kind of like us and them mentality as such so, I suppose a good example of it, I suppose, would be poetry. You know, because, you know, it's classic, you know, uh, it's like I've uh, referred to before, uh, Il Fait le Poet. Uh, in France, the, the association, very much like in Ireland, that poetry has an association with poverty. So, and this, it's one of the great staples of conditioned negative reinforcement. But, you know, for every um, cliche, there's always exceptions of people that uh, book this book the system or book that idea or paradigm ideology and like there's the poet Ruby Core for example her first collection Milk and Honey it sold like two and a half million copies and then her second book The Sun and Her Flowers uh, reached the top three on Amazon's bestseller list you know so you know it was up there with your man Dan Brown and uh, that the lady uh, Oprah Winfrey, you know, so, and and how did she get there? Well, she represented herself, which tri- eventually translated to sales. So, and there's many examples of this. You know, you, you knew a guy down, an artist down in New York once, about 20 years ago, and he, he had his own gallery down the Lower East Side, and, you know, his art, in my opinion, was okay, but, I wondered how the hell he managed to find the money to rent the space, basically. So I asked him how many paintings he sold a month. And he said, all of them. And, you know, I was kind of shocked, you know. I said, how do you do that? I asked him, <laughs> and, uh, um, and I was basically saying, did that many people actually walk down the street in here? And he, and he said, no. I put out flyers uh, when I want people to come. I was like, wow. And he basically said he prints off 5,000 flyers and then he goes into every coffee shop, bar and restaurant in Manhattan and uh, even in Brooklyn. But he gets rid of all those flyers. Uh, 
And, you know, when he had a show, he usually had 25 paintings. So the way he saw it is if only 10% of the people actually picked up his flyer, that meant 500 people would know. And if only 25% actually came to the show, that meant 125 people. And if only half the people wanted to buy a painting, then he would sell everything. And that's why he sells everything every time. And, you know, not only that, he has patrons too. And even with the patrons, he still spends three days walking the streets in New York uh, to represent himself. At least he did back in the day. So how many times did, you know, when I was on retreat here, people say, like, oh, I'm a, you know, whatever the creator, I'm a photographer or a novelist or whatever, you know, not a businesswoman. And I'd say to them, you know, yeah, but you're in the business of, you know, writing novels or uh, taking photos. And, um, but there's this, like I said, uh, this negative myth that just associates itself with um, the paucity or the poverty of, the poverty uh, of the artist or the creator as such. So yes, creation in the in the right jobs can get you money and getting well known can make you money. Um, but the kind of creation most people talk about, like artistic creation, usually leads to a minimum wage as such. Even well-known creators can have a hard time making money. So what can we like, expect when the internet means so much content out there is free? Um, it's natural then that free intellectual property means less opportunity to make more money or make money. But at the same time, if you're not even on the internet, then how the hell can you make any compensation? How can you get recompense for it? So I suppose a few of the questions one has to ask oneself is like, do you have a website? Do you have an Instagram account? And, you know, there's a lot of people that could, couldn't give a flying, you know, crap about it. But if you only have those two things at the very least, then you, at least you have places where people can find you, which is what I'm talking about, representation as such. And if you keep putting up content that you love anyway, then and they're interested in it as an audience, then they'll keep coming back for more. And you'll just keep posting it anyway because... Not because they're coming back, but because you just enjoy doing it. So that way people can find out about you when you're busy creating other work anyway that you want to create. And I suppose, but as, we, 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 you know, with your creator community, you have to create a reader or a viewer or, or a consumer community, basically. So that's... That's why you'll see all the ways of connecting with me at the end of each episode of this podcast series or at the bottom of my website um, and all that. And, you know, I'm Irish. We don't like drawing attention to ourselves, the Irish. You know, I can't keep the head down, at least my generation anyway. And uh, even if people think we're, we're pretty outgoing people, you know, we generally don't like to, you know, put ourselves out there. But... Uh, Personally, I know that stuff has to be there so that people can connect with me. It's logical. And how I use that is my decision or your decision, you know. So, so 
So what do you show? What do you represent online? Whatever the hell you want. There's a lot of social media people say people love it when you represent your process. An artist painting their painting. Or uh, somebody building a car, showing people how to build a car. If that's what you're into, all the better. It seems to be what people enjoy. But if you're not into taking selfies with your novel or crochet, then go back to the question again, what do you love? Take photos of that, write about that, talk about that. Because how can you be selling out if you're just representing what you love? And um, I suppose that's also tied into if you advertise to 100 people on average, you know, one or two people will respond. It's something most people uh, don't really think about. It's a kind of uh, just a known fact amongst advertising. Um, um and that's important to know because then you know it's not because what you created is crap. It's that only one or two people in every 100 are actually going to respond to your ad. Uh, this way you don't get discouraged because you know it's not you. It's just the way things are. It's just the facts of advertising and such. So you kind of have to shift your, your mindset. You, know, you create something and it's your property. Like if it's a book or an idea, it's your intellectual property. You can have to change the language with like the like the way with um the language of money and poverty and so as, as such. Um it, to to empower uh, yourself and uh, so because the power lies in the words and if we use the wrong words we create a negative reality devoid of the you know, healthy or positive opportunities. And because... Um, because opportunities aren't as impractical as you might think, you know. You know, a little bit more maths would be to, like if you think about the New York Times bestseller list, which would be somewhere supposedly where my books, which should be going, or a writer's book should be going. Like, all you need to sell is like 9,000 books in the first week. And yeah, you might think that's a lot, but you know, again, there are 7 billion people on the planet, and if only a fractional percent fraction of a fraction of a percent of them love your stuff then then you got 70,000 people who buy your book or your painting or your car or your product so you know like say that Rupi Kaur uh, poet you know she chose to succeed by giving her creations the opportunity to succeed by putting them on Instagram and you know that artist um He's still, he's still in the East Village, but he has someone else putting out his flyers now, you know. <laughs> um, a real businessman. But, uh, which is great, you know. So I suppose there's a few things just to bear in mind, you know. You know, you put, just make sure to put your work out there to share it with others. And then, obviously that means then you have to meet up with other creators in real life. Not just on the internet as such. And... So don't be afraid to, to make money off your creations. Just enjoy it if you do, you know. It's a laugh. It's it's it's, it's empowering, freeing. So, um, and then just keep creating because you can only get better, you know, irrespective of audience representation or not, you know. And uh, try to keep a damn email list if you can uh, to keep that audience in a place where you can actually contact them when you're doing something. And obviously then give credit when you're 
when you talk about representation, just give credit when you refer to other people's work as such. I, and just to try and help people, help others, you know, like I was saying before about benevolence as such, which is what I'll get into in the next episode. Um, and then lastly, when you don't know what the hell you're doing uh, and you need help, then like, like Amanda Palmer says, ask for help. You know, it's out there online. It's all around you. And, you know, there's many ways to ask for help. And I'm not going to get into talking about Patreon or crowdfunding or paying what you want or all that other stuff or all those things that are there to connect with your audience or your community. Because in the end, that's up to you to look into. I'm just doing the basics. If you, uh, And I'm just saying that perhaps you should be doing the basics too if you can because in the end it's gratifying or or just satisfying when someone even if it is just one or two people uh, tell you well done you know so thanks for listening and um, I started uh, with a quote from Nabokov and as always I want to try and end on a proverb an Irish proverb um, and this one means the work praises the man so the work praises the man and that is uh, mullen on obor on far so again it's mullen on obor on far so that's that. Uh, the as I always say, the podcast is supported by you, uh, the listener, through the Patreon page. And uh, say no radio show, no advertisers, all that. You're not getting paid for it, you know. <laughs> so uh, independent, and you can get it on Patreon.com forward slash John J O H N Fanning. And if you can't uh, afford it, uh, like that usual thing of a price of a cup of tea or coffee or a pint or something once a month then that's fine you know um just listen to it for free because someone else may pay for it you know or send send uh or support it on patreon you know but uh if you can't then at least uh try to you know leave a review on itunes or just uh, hit the few the star buttons or something like that whichever thing it is that you're listening to it on so that the listenership grows or people who are into it uh, would be into specific episodes to find out about it, you know. And I have all the social stuff on my website. That's johnfanning.me. And that's basically it. Uh, it's been been fun uh, sharing stuff with you today. Uh, so until next time, take care out there and try and find your audience <laughs> and try to be benevolent when you can so shlan live august good night on boher live